This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hello, friends! How has your Sunday been so far? I hope it's been delightful. Mine's been okay, so really at the end of the day, that's all you can truly ask for. Welcome to your short crime Sunday. Still not sure what we're calling this because I keep changing my mind every time I record this section, so we're just going to call it sure. The short ki- short, yep, uh-huh, the short crime Sunday, and this one, I think I saw it in a BuzzFeed article, and I was actually really fascinated by it, and I was excited to look into it further, so I have. It's kind of, it's definitely going to be short on, like, the very short side, so sorry if you were hoping for, like, a really long episode, even though it is in the title that it should be short. Some of them end up longer than others, but this one will be short. Um, If I could just stop fucking rambling, that would probably be how that would go. So let me get my font big. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about, if you couldn't tell from the title already, the murder of Betsy Ardsma. Um, And like I said, this one's got some little nooks and crannies of fascinating information. Um, So I'm not going to try to give away too much. Let's just talk about it now. Okay, so Betsy Ardsma was a girl who, on the surface, really had everything. Um, She was a second of four children. She was born in Holland, Michigan. It's a city known for its Tulip Time Festival, which I thought was very cool. Um, The festival started in 1930, and at the time, 250,000 tulips were grown for the first one, and now there are over 6 million tulips planted throughout the city. So that's a fun little, you know, piece of history for she was born. Betsy Ruth was born on July 11th, 1947 to parents Richard and Esther Ardsma. Betsy graduated from Holland High School and then went to the University of Michigan. She studied art and English. She left the U of M to continue her education at Penn State University. Um, And at the time, she was in a committed relationship with a man named David Wright, who was a medical student, which um, I read was the reason why she moved. Based off of a little bit of information we're going to get later, I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, But at the time of her murder, she was in a committed relationship with this guy. Not that I think that changes anything. You'll see. Okay, so on November 28th, 1969... Betsy was in the school library doing research for a paper. Around 4.50 p.m., she was stabbed one time through her left breast with a knife, and it pierced her um, critically in the heart. She had no defensive wounds, which led police to think that she was attacked from behind unexpectedly. And shortly after she was stabbed, two men left the library and told the clerk behind the desk to, quote, "Um, someone better help that girl. And those men were never identified, so they must have they must have known something was wrong, but those men were never identified. Betsy was transported to the campus health center, but she was pronounced dead shortly after her arrival there. So, unfortunately for Betsy, she had worn a red dress while she was at the library, and the wound from her being stabbed didn't really produce a whole lot of blood, so people didn't know what was wrong with her, necessarily. So people thought that maybe she was having a seizure, um, or something, she had fallen, something had happened, but nobody knew she'd been stabbed. So it wasn't until she got to the health center that anybody knew that she had been, like, critically wounded. Now, do I know if that would have affected the outcome of this? I do not know. It sounded like it pierced a very important part of her heart, so I don't know if 
if them knowing that off the rip could have really done anything to help her. So, um, she passed away. So, Betsy Ardma's, Ardsma's death has never been solved. Um, it's still an open investigation and that uh, Pennsylvania police are actively seeking information for. So, if you know anything about what happened in the library in uh, 1969, tell the Pennsylvania police about it because I'm sure they'd like to know. So, <clears throat> one suspect had um, a little weight and I, this is, I don't think they ever really named another suspect. I just know this is one of the people that the police were actively looking into, at least at one point in time. The only suspect anybody could ever really come up with. Uh, so he was a, um, a geology student at Penn State named Richard Hafner. Hafner was 25 at the time. He was a ge- geology student that had been in a relationship with Betsy t- that he said. He said they lived in the same dor- dorm same dorm and had gone on a couple of dates um but she had broken up with him so I don't know if that's kosher per se or you know I don't really know how that worked out because she was as I said in a committed relationship with the med school student so either maybe it was a side thing or maybe he's lying hard to tell um she had broken up with him he was known for a heated temper and erratic behavior he was also suspected of for um pedophilia People thought he was stealing rocks from the university's geology department, and he had a large number of lawsuits against him later in life. Now, you could just, you know, gloss that over. Not everybody's perfect. I mean, not everybody also is suspected to be such a terrible person, but not everybody's perfect. So if you want to just pretend like that wasn't anything, okay. He also did some really fucking weird shit, um, such as... Uh, driving over 800 miles to show up on the doorstep of a woman he barely knew and told her he was in love with her, um, which I'm sure didn't go over well. But, I mean, I hardly like anybody enough to drive 800 miles for them. No, I don't think, especially in the 60s, no, 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 no. You can't even, like, listen to a good audiobook or a true crime podcast while you're driving. Terrible. No. Do not recommend. Um... Can't even sit in a car for that long. Whatever. So, um, that's weird. But also, even weirder, the night of Betsy's murder, he claimed to be eating at the student union at the time she was killed. So remember, this 4.50. However, 45 minutes after Betsy was pronounced dead, Richard showed up at the house of of a professor saying, Have you heard? A girl I dated was murdered at the library. Um... Which I'm going to say is suspicious. Uh, maybe not in today's day and age, since news news does break so quickly now, as we are in 2020. But in 1969, information, just quite frankly, did not move that fast. So, really, unless he was involved, in my own personal opinion, there would have been any way for him to know, right? Like, that. that's just, that seems fishy to me. Um, so he's already a really weird dude. That's strange enough. Honestly, I think if they had looked into it, they would have uh, found something, probably, right? Um, But Richard... (laughs) Richard. He was considered a strong student, clean-cut, and he was on his path to a master's degree in geology. And so they never looked into him. Hello? (laughs) I mean... This is one, you know, toxic masculinity, my friends. 
they like the whole Brock Turner thing all over again. He's obviously very suspicious. He's obviously got a lot of red flags for him, but the police won't look into him because, you know, he's he's a clean-cut guy on his way to getting a master's degree. Like he would never murder anybody. Fuck you, he would. Idiots. Um but he he lived a very troubled life. Not that I'm saying like it's kind of like he was just a fucked up guy. I don't know. Hang on. We'll go we'll go into him. I, I it boggles me still that nobody at any point in time cuz I mean, I don't even have any of the evidence for this crime and I can tell you that he just based off of not even circumstantial evidence. I guess some of it is circumstantial. But just from like a hunch, why wouldn't anybody be like, oh, this guy, this fucking guy, right? Um, well, so he never got invest- investigated for this. In his later use- years, Rick Hefner grew more troubled. After his parents died, he lived in the house alone, and neighbors said the po- the property was a mess, um, but nobody ever confronted Hefner about his situation. So, like, he was probably living in that Bodonk house on the street, the one that was a complete eyesore. He probably never kept up with his landscaping, but people were too afraid to be like, hey, homie, you need to take care of your yard. Um, Once he punctured a neighbor's tire with a knife, and on a different occasion, he picked up his dog's waist and threw it through a neighbor's car window. So he seems like a really stable guy, right? Um, he had a bunch of run-ins with the police, and in 1992 was arrested for um, interfering with the custody of a child. He took a 13-year-old boy on a trip, and the boy's mom reported him missing. The case was dropped, but after the um, the kid was placed in a group home, and Rick wasn't allowed to visit anymore, he filed numerous lawsuits. So basically, he tried. You know, Rick tried to kidnap a person. Um, he also ran, which this is funny. It's not funny, but it is funny. He ran a, an event called the Lost Dutchman Jamboree, which is an annual gem show. And the the show was robbed of more than $800,000 in precious stones and jewelry. And that happened in 1996. And um, a lot of people believe that Rick Hefner had something to do with this said, uh, you know, missing of almost a million dollars in precious stones. So it's, it's interesting that like his tendencies never changed. He was accused of, and he was a possible candidate for all these rocks that were going missing from the geology department, which I think I read somewhere that he was like, uh, stealing them from the geology department and selling them to a museum, uh, which (laughs) wouldn't there be a paper trail for that? Right though? I guess whatever. Um, Yes. Oh, and then the next year, sorry, the, the Lost Dutchman Jamboree in uh, 1997, uh, he, Rick canceled the show, but everybody already gave them their money first. Like, they're like, here's my money, I want a booth at your show, which, if the previous year $800,000 worth of gems went missing, wouldn't you be like, yeah, I'm probably not going to sign up for that. But so all these people paid money to have tables at the show, or displays, whatever you want to call it. Hefter canceled it, and then never gave those people their money. So he's just a really, really great, great guy. Um, in 2002, Rick Hefner died of a heart attack in the Mojave Desert um, where he was studying rocks. He died a free man and was never charged or confronted for the death of Betsy Ardsma. And that is just bananas to me. Uh, I tried to do a little more research just to see if, like, you know, 
I didn't want to rab, not rabbit hole. I didn't want to pinhole myself on this and think like tunnel vision. It has to be him. But I did look up and see if there were ever any other people suspected of this. And honestly, no. I mean, and I guess if you're going by, sorry, I just hit my, I just like threw my phone on the ground. Um, if, if you go by what the police say, they never really had a good suspect because they firmly believe that Rick Hefner didn't do it. So to each their own opinion, I suppose. So it, it's very likely that the, the person who committed this awful, awful crime of snuffing out this bright young girl's life, she was only 19 when she was murdered, um, never, nobody ever paid the price for it. And Hefner died in 2002. So... Odds are the person who murdered Betsy is also dead. And I hope um, whatever may happen in the afterlife, he gets his his karma, I hope. Yep. Um, okay, well, that has been your Short Crime Sunday. And uh, I'll see you again on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure, I think. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> um, I hope your Monday isn't that awful and you get everything accomplished that you need to. Okay, goodbye. <laughs>